Welcome to the DermVet Podcast. I'm Dr. Ashley Bourgeois, a board-certified veterinary dermatologist practicing in Portland, Oregon with animal dermatology clinics. I'm also a mom of two, just trying to find the balance like everyone else. Let's learn to ditch the itch, cytology, everything, and make derm more fun than frustrating. What kind of lab work monitoring should you do for dermatologic medications? Now, there's no standardization over exactly what lab work is done and which frequency is done. So one thing I want you to realize is what I say could be very different from what another dermatologist does, and that is okay. We all practice differently. We have to make sure we're comfortable with the medications that we're prescribing. We also have to make sure we're comfortable with any side effects that can come along with those medications. Um, So whatever I kind of recommend is what I think about doing isn't necessarily, um, you know, negative towards what anyone else might do if they do something different. Um, It also, though, will have certain protocols or internal things that we do depending on the medication, which I'll talk about a few of my thoughts. We also have to remember that every pet is an individual. So it's much different if I'm talking about, you know, a two-year-old healthy Labrador retriever that doesn't have any other comorbidities and utilizing a medication like Apoquil versus maybe a pet who has lots of comorbidities that is 12, right? So I might do more frequent lab work monitoring, even, you know, independent of the medication, just based on the fact that they may have more issues that we're taking a look at. So we always have to look at every individual pet as just that, an individual, So going through my mind of when I decide to check lab work and how I'm monitoring, one, before we get into some medications and what I do for monitoring, you have to think about what you're looking for, right? Like if you use a lot of these medications that we use for allergies, what are some of the more common things that you can see affected? You know, what are we actually monitoring for? What do we know can be the side effects of these medications? Because we have to really consider that, yes, it's great to have really extensive, complete lab work. We wish we could have that all the time, you know, as frequently as we wanted, but not every owner can afford to do that. So we have to make sure we know what we were trying to, we are trying to monitor in the first place. You know, is it a medication that's known to cause liver value elevations? Is it a medication that's known to maybe cause anemia? So we want to make sure that we're really, really considering what medications we're using, what that pet has as far as other diseases, age, and what we're monitoring for. So just really, really make sure you're thinking about that. um, Because I think that it's really important that we really consider what we need to spend the client's money on because allergies are chronic and they are really expensive. So let's go through some of the more common medications that we can, we use in dermatology, and then we'll go over some of the less common medications as well, just from a general standpoint of monitoring. So let's start with Apoquil because that's probably one of the more important things and more um, frequent things that's used in dermatology to management allergic disease of dogs. So with Apoquil for me, I am just always going to be honest with you guys. I don't always check baseline lab work because what matters to me is how long are we using it? What's the intent of that medication? So if it is a dog that let's just say, I think has flea allergy dermatitis, we are hopefully only going to use Apical for a few weeks and then stop, or they have a flare from a hot spot and then we're going to stop. Um, I 
don't find a lot of issue as far as changes in lab work, even honestly with a lot of my chronic uses, but especially for a short-term use. And it's just not that cost efficient for my owner for me to require baseline lab work before I'm maybe going to use Apical for two weeks to knock down the itch while we see if it's a flea allergy or if we see if it's scabies or something like that. Cause I still off-labelly use that for other reasons of paritis like mites. So I'm not necessarily going to require it if they're just coming in for a short-term use. Now, if it is a pet that I suspect we're going to have more long-term use with the medication because it's a chronic atopic, then it is very nice to have baseline lab work. I will always look in the history and see have they had more recent lab work done. You know, if it's a pet who had a dental last month, um, then that's potentially good enough for me, depending on if there are, again, age comorbidities that that pet deals with. But some sort of recent lab work as a baseline is great so that we can kind of know what is normal for that pet. Then I will usually check a CBC in chemistry a month or two after they start just to kind of make sure there's no elevations in liver enzymes. It's very rare, but occasionally things like ALP elevations are reported. Um, Occasionally, you know, you can see things like anemia, especially if it is a dose that's maybe off label. But to be honest, we're going to talk about that. I check those pets a lot more frequently. But usually I'll check them when they've been on it for a you know a month or two just to make sure they're tolerating it. And then depending on the pet, sometimes I'll check it six months later. But honestly, I have backed off my monitoring for Apoquil a bit because I don't tend to see a lot of side effects to it or changes. So if they're an otherwise healthy pet, I will probably just do CBC chemistry annually unless they have changes and we need to check it more frequently than we will. Um, I do not necessarily personally, this is again, my personal thing. I don't necessarily require a year analysis. Like it's great to get it once a year. If I can, I don't get too stressed. If I don't, there was a study out of Colorado state that, um, at least at one point was suggestive. That's not very common to have urinary tract infections or urinary issues with that medication. So it's great with any chronic medication of urine, but I don't necessarily get as concerned if I don't get a urinalysis on those patients that are on Apoquil. If I am using off-label dosing of Apoquil, I don't do it often, but let's just say it's a pet that has to be on it for, you know, BID for something different. Like I have a DLE case that did not respond to anything else, but is doing great on BID Apoquil. Of course, we have to make sure the owner understands it's off-label use. We don't know the long-term implications. There's some studies coming out, um, but we don't have a full detail and that is not what is on-label dosing to be used for. But if I do have to utilize it because we have tough cases, then I am usually definitely getting baseline lab work. I'm checking a month after, and then I'll usually check, you know, two to three months after, cause I'm wanting to watch for things like anemia, liver enzyme elevations. Um, and then at that point, if they're doing really well and their lab work is normal, I check them every six months long-term. And then if they have problems, obviously we're going to check it even sooner than that. But I don't let my BID off label use, um, dogs stay on, Apoquil BID without more frequent lab work compared to if they're on SID. Kind of similar if I use it in cats. I'm not, I don't use a ton of Apoquil in cats compared to maybe some, but kind of same since it is off label and we are often having to use higher doses in cats. Usually want baseline, check a month after, potentially three months after that, and then at least every six months, if not more frequently, depending on if any issues arise. So that's kind of my protocol as far as Apoquil goes. 
Side point, I can make very simple for you. I don't really require routine monitoring. Um, You know, if they get lab work done annually at their primary vet, amazing, Um, just from a general health standpoint. But because of it being a monoclonal antibody, I personally have not seen a lot of lab work changes from it. I don't necessarily require lab work um, monitoring for Cytopoint. Same with allergen-specific immunotherapy. You know, again, it's just desensitization to what they're allergic to. And then unless they showed me a systemic sign, I don't require lab work monitoring myself for things like immunotherapy or Cytopoint. Again, other people could be different. I have to caveat that, but I don't necessarily um, require it. Moving to cyclosporin, so whether you're talking about atopica, generic modified cyclosporin, or cyclovance, um, I like to try to have, again, some sort of baseline lab work. If they are younger and they've had some recent lab work, I don't necessarily repeat it if it looked really good. Um, but then I do like to get lab work about a month or two after they start the medication. I like CBC chem, and I do like to try to get a UA in these cases, um, you know, I have seen urinary tract infections and things like that. I'm um, just being a more broad anti-inflammatory. So I do like to try to get a CBC chemistry in urine on those cases. And then if they're stable at that point, I require it every six months long-term trying my best to get urine, um, to run a UA along with the CBC chem. If for some reason we can't get a urine, I want it at least annually, you know, so if they urinate on the way out, they can't bring a sample back. It's hard for them to get back. They haven't had issues with it, but I do like to have it at least annually to monitor for things like white blood cells in the urine, bacteria in the urine, because we do know that can happen with cyclosporin, but cyclosporin can be a great medication for allergies, especially if they don't respond to other medications. My steroid monitoring is very, very similar Um, so we predominantly use oral steroids. We don't use a lot of injectable steroids because we are often using, seeing the cases that need it more often, but I do like to have some sort of baseline lab work if we're going to accept that we're using it more chronically. And I usually check about a month or two, depending on the owner's schedule. Um, just in, of course, what dose of steroid they're on is important as well. And we try to get a CBC chem UA. Obviously, a lot of things we're looking for are liver enzyme elevations. We're watching for different, you know, changes in white blood cells, making sure we don't see any other changes in the blood count. And then I do like to get urine on them, very similar to cyclosporin, ideally every six months long term, just because, of course, we know there can be, you know, dilute urine, there can be urinary tract infections that occur. So we want to monitor for those things. Um, going back real quick to cyclosporin in cats, because I know there's always a question and different opinions about things like toxotiters. Um, I prefer to try to get them. They mean more information is always good. The big thing with cyclosporin in cats is if they're naive, their IgG and IgM levels are negative for toxoplasmosis. They go on cyclosporin and then say they contract toxoplasmosis, which is usually from hunting rodents or eating raw meat. Then they can get really severely ill, neurologic, things like that. So in a perfect world, what I always tell owners is it's always great to have information to know where their toxotiters stand. Um, but if they are a predominantly indoor cat and that's going to be not financially feasible for them, they're a couch potato, they're not hunting rodents, they don't eat raw meat. Um, I won't decline them from starting 
cyclosporin just because they can't afford to do that big panel because it gets expensive to do all of it. I do like to have some sort of recent viral titers, making sure they're Feluc and FIV negative. Um, but Toxo, I really, it's nice to have it. I don't necessarily require them to have it if the cat is super low risk, um, just because for the most part, I've only had a few where the IgM has been really high when I test it. So then I delay starting cyclosporin. Um, but for the most part, it's all about that cat's lifestyle and possibility to be exposed to it. And then going into some of the less frequent medications that you guys may or may not use, not necessarily for allergies, but for other medications, my lab work monitoring for azathioprine in dogs, if we're going to use it for something like an autoimmune disease, and then um, same for chlorambucil, if we're using it in cats for like an autoimmune disease is very similar. Um, I essentially get baseline lab work and then I check a CBC chemistry every two weeks for the first eight weeks. So it gets pretty expensive as far as lab work monitoring goes, but we're watching for things specifically with azathioprine, like bone marrow suppression and then liver enzyme elevations, which a lot of times you can catch those pretty quickly in the first couple of lab works and prevent it from getting to the point where the pet feels really sick, like vomiting, diarrhea, really punky. Um, Lucaran's still same thing, looking for changes in organ values and then making sure we're not getting bone marrow suppression. After they do every two week CBC chemistry for those first eight weeks, if they have tolerated things well, then I'll usually spread things out, you know, go two months later and then eventually long-term if I'm monitoring a very difficult autoimmune case that has to stay on it long-term, either of those two medications, then I do require them to get lab work every uh, six months, usually concurrently, they're on something like a steroid. These are both steroid sparing agents. Occasionally I've gotten them off steroid, but a lot of times they're also on steroid. So we'll just try to get a CBC chem UA every six months on those cases to monitor the side effects we'd see from steroids and to monitor the side effects we'd see for things like azathioprine or Lucaran. Um, and then you get into some of the stranger ones like mycophenolate. We actually, I don't tend to see a ton of side effects from mycophenolate when I have had to use it. I usually do like baseline lab work. I'll check them like, you know, a month or two later, if that's going well, I'll spread it out to maybe three months later and then every six months long-term. But I tend to find, at least in my experience, that there hasn't been a lot of side effects that I see from that medication. I know getting into the ones more rarely that you probably don't use. Most of the time, people are wanting to know about Apoquil, Cytopoint, immunotherapy, if we require anything for that, cyclosporin and steroids. But again, always remember to look at that pet as an individual. If I have a pet that has a history of liver enzyme elevations, I might watch them a little bit more closely. Going back real quick, one other drug I'll mention, we, you know, try not to do it all the time, but we do get the difficult cases is if we have to use long-term antifungals. So especially if I'm using something like ketoconazole with cyclosporin, same thing. I really have to keep an eye mainly on that liver. So I don't necessarily require urine if they're on chronic antifungals, but they're usually concurrently on other medications we have to monitor. But if I'm using something like an azol long-term or terbinafine or doing pulse dosing, then I probably try to get some sort of baseline lab work, check a month or two in, and then usually check them about every six months long-term, especially azoles, because we do know that there is the potential for hepato, uh, hepatotoxicity. And so just wanting to make sure we catch those numbers before they become something that actually affects the pet. So I hope that's helpful. I hope I got the main medications that you guys would think about. Um, but again, this can vary between clinician. It can vary between the patient 
depending on other diseases they have, other medications they're on. You know, sometimes I'm the third or fourth specialist, so they might need more frequent lab work monitoring compared to a young pet who has no other diseases but allergies. But this hopefully gives you some idea of maybe what I would consider doing a lot of these cases, but knowing that it can always change depending on that individual.